Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. We're going to go ahead and start with prayer. I wonder if we could just uh, open our spirits right now, close our eyes, focus on Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that you would open our ears and our hearts. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that as we come in on this Sunday morning, Lord, that all of the distractions would fade away and that we would be able to hear what your spirit is saying to the church, Lord, through your servant, God, our pastor. Lord, I pray that you'd minister to us today. Lord, change our hearts, God. Help us not to remain the same, but that we would leave this place changed, God. That we would open ourselves up to that change right now. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, make our spirits ready for repentance, Lord, and, and to be ready for what you want us to learn today. In the name of Jesus, let's welcome our pastor right now. Man, thank you, Brother Luke. Oh, go ahead and magnify the Lord today. Let's do that today. Let's magnify Him and exalt His name together. Has it been good to you this week? Has it been good to you? How many know He's given breath in our body, joy in our hearts? Amen, amen. We're so thankful that what God did on our first Sunday and filling people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the people that were healed. We're so thankful for that. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, look at me. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. Praise God. Tell your neighbor you're looking good. Man, some of you look like you needed that comment or compliment. It feels good to encourage one another. We are going to jump into his word today. And uh, we are going to be reading from the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. This series about celebrating family. We are talking about the origin of the family. How does God define a family? In the law of initial precedence or in study in scripture where something is first mentioned... It carries precedence of pattern to be compared to the rest of the scripture, no matter what subject that is. And it's also called the law of first mention. So if you want to know how God views a family, let's go see what happened to the family and how he designed the family and how it was in its origin. Okay? It carries the precedence because I want to see my family the way God sees my family. I want my family to be what God wants my family to be. I don't want it the way what the Supreme Court says it's okay to be. I don't want what culture says it's okay to be. I don't, it, it, that doesn't matter what America says it's to be. Some people are more patriotic than they are biblical. If America says it's okay, then this is, I don't want America to define my family. I want His Word to define my family. Do you want God's Word to define your family? How many want a God family? Amen. We are the family of God. Now, I realize that when I read today and even teach, there's going to be moments of ouch and oh me. I just ask you not to leave while I'm preaching. Just buckle your seatbelt, stay through it. And uh, let's let his word prick us, cut us, shape us, do surgery on us. Because you cannot grow without change. And you cannot change without conflict. Probably in this room, today is going to be conflicting. Conflicting. Well, pastor, I go to church, I want you to make me feel good. There's times for that. But if we're going to change, there's got to be some conflict. If we're going to be better, there's got to be some conflict. But I do know where I'm at. We are in a church that wants to grow, and we are willing to change to be whatever God wants us to be. We want to be holy as He is holy, pure as He is pure, righteous as He is righteous. Come on, how many want to, how many want to be formed into His image? 
Oh, let there be an amen today. Praise God. Genesis chapter 2. I talked last week about what comes out of the garden. Talked about increase and talked about being fruitful and and, um, uh, being purposed. God intended out of the family to come all these great things, those four rivers. But after you talk about that, the setting of this, verse 15 says of Genesis chapter 2. Are you ready? And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. I think I left off here last week saying he gave him a job before he gave him a wife. And the church ought to give a hearty amen. At least every woman in the building ought to shout, wave your hand, do something, respond to that. Praise God. And uh, look at verse 16. I'm going to let you be seated after this. And the Lord God commanded the man. Not mankind. And the Lord God commanded the man. Saying of every tree of the garden, thou mayest eat freely. Look at everything I've given you. That's what he was saying. But of the tree. Of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Look at your neighbor and say he did not command the woman. He commanded the man. Today I would like to talk about God's order of the home. And this is celebrating the family part two. And I want you to lift your hands and ask God to speak to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Your word helps us. Your word helps us. Lord, we pray today that you would move in this room and help every, every saint of God. Come on, reach out to the Lord. I want you to talk to him right now. God, stir us and move us. Lord, stir us and move us, oh God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, we, we're going to teach, um, teach verse by verse through here. And uh, I, I, we're teaching, so I want you to follow along in the word of the Lord. Would you do that? Follow along in the word of the Lord. Uh, we, we are living in a day that the Bible says that evil men will wax worse and worse. And it says, in the last days, saith God, perilous times, dangerous times shall come. It says that men will be lovers of their own selves. Didn't it? Men, boasters and proud and heading high-minded. and Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. It's saying that in the end time, we're going to see, see issues uh, in the family. Issues in the family. In, in the principle of God's word, just to, to reiterate, that God has always intended that great things come out of the family. Do you believe that? He intended that great things would come out of the house of God. He intended that great things would come um, from a man and a woman's marriage out of their children. He's always intended that great things come out of it. Those four rivers I mentioned last week, he one of them meant increase. One meant fruitful purpose. God wants great things to come out of your marriage. He doesn't want contention, jealousy, envy. He doesn't want toxic environments in your house. It was never the will of God. The only time you feel peace during the week is in the house of God. Your home should be a reflection of the house of God. And let me, let me ask you this and don't respond, but what would ha happen if the house of God was a reflection of your home? How would we feel in this church today? How would the guests feel in this church today if... The house of God was a reflection of your house. Would there be any prayer? Would there be any Bible reading? Would there be any praise or worship? Would there be any order? I hate to ask it, but would the house of God be clean? Would the house of God be nice? Would it be kept? 
when you begin to look into the Word of God, you, you, you begin to find that God created an atmosphere that was conducive for growth. God set the atmosphere in the Garden of Eden. He, he planted trees, all these trees. There was, there, there was the whole earth was a perfect atmosphere, and we know that. But he created a garden with boundaries and limitations. He says, I want this place to be where man dwells. And God formed man, I mean, no, in his image. When he, when he created, when he created um, uh, the, the fowl of the air, he spoke to the air. When he created the fish, he spoke to the water. When he created the, the, the beast of the field, when he created the cattle and the deer and the elephant and the giraffe and the lion and on and on, he, he spoke to the ground. And that's why those animals, they, they eat of the ground because their source was the ground. He spoke to the ground from the ground he made, from the air he made. From the sea he made. When he would speak to that and bring life from that. When God made man, he said, let us make man in our image. He spoke to himself. Because God intended for him himself to be your source. Now I know Genesis 2 and 7 says, And God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. But watch this. He created man, and then the natural being, you have to eat dirt to stay alive. That's why you put seeds in the ground, and from the dirt, make tomatoes and cucumbers. You are, you're literally eating, eating dirt. You are, you are, it's from your source. And so from dust you came, and what does the Bible tell us? And dust you'll return. When you die, you're going to go back to the dust because your natural origin was, was the dust of the ground. But God made man different than the cattle. He made man different than the dog down the street. He made man different from the horses that you see in the field. He made man different. Why? Because only man was made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. You are his reflection on the earth. God sees himself in you. You are emotional like he is emotional. But you have, you have, you have the nature of God in you. How many know that you do? You have power to be creative because how many know he's the creator as our father? He is very creative. I think he, he gets a lot of good out of us acting in the place of being creators and artistic and using our talents and our giftings to build houses. And look what man has done with their creative nature. It makes a difference. But not only did God make us in his creative nature, not only did he make man in his image, the Bible tells us that he gave man dominion. He has dominion over every fowl of the air, over every beast of the field, over every creeping thing. I'll let you define that. He has given man authority over everything. He's the boss. He's in control. Nothing's ruling him. He is the ruler upon the earth living in God's image. God made man not to be weak, not to be walked on, not to be shackled, not to be wimpy, not to be insecure. He made man to have authority in his life. He made man with the confidence. I have authority over everything that comes against me. That's exactly right. God made man to have authority and to have confidence. God was so confident in Adam, whom he created. He was so confident in his product. He was so confident in his Adam, who the Bible says was the son of God. God names him Adam. He is, he is, he, he, he's, he's man. He's made Adam in the garden. He's so confident that the Bible tells us that in verse 19, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast. Chapter 2, verse 19. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto who? Everybody say he brought them to Adam. What did he bring those things to Adam for? To see what he would call them to see what he would name it, and whatever Adam called it, look what it says. That was the name thereof. 
If Adam said it's a dog, it's a dog. If it's a cat, it's a cat. If it's a cow, it's a cow. If it's a bird, it's a bird. Whatever he named it, God backed it up. Because God trusted the spoken word of his son. That word that the son of God spoke, God trusted it. God entrusted him labeling, him speaking, him naming, him calling it. And God would, God placed, took Adam and he placed Adam in the Garden of Eden. I will say to you today that God always has a specific geographical location for his people. You just can't wander through the earth and say, God's going to bless me wherever, wherever I go. That's not true. He's just going to follow me. Wherever I go, he's going to bless me. That's not how it works. You don't believe that? Follow Abraham. In a famine, he went to the wrong location. You don't believe that? Follow Elkinah, who in a moment of famine, he went to Moab and lost his boys. Because geographical location matters to God. And I'm going to say to every man in this room, before you move and take a job, make sure it's the will of God. There will be a great church there to raise your family if it's the will of God for you to go there. God's not going to call you to a place where your family is going to wither and dry up spiritually. Geographical location matters to God. It matters to the Lord. Well, it's a great, it, it's, it, it, listen, it doesn't matter how much money it gives, it's not worth losing your family over. Can you say amen? Everybody say geography matters to the Lord. The Bible says he created Adam and Eve. That means there is a specific place for you and that God took Adam and he placed him right in the Garden of Eden. He said, he said listen here, Adam. He said, I've given it to you. Look around. Oh, man, he loved it. There was, there was fruit, and wherever God calls you, it's going to be fruitful. Let me know that. God's not calling you somewhere to die. It's going to be fruitful. It's going to be plentiful. God's going to take care of you there. And when he gets there, and God said, look at him, look around. And this is where I find God speaking to man the very first time. Look what it says, verse 16. Here it is. So God places him in the garden. He places them in a place that has borders and boundaries because God will never put you somewhere where there's not boundaries in your life. Don't ever say, well, I can just do whatever I want to do. That's crazy. He's put limitations in your life. And the Lord God commanded the man. Everybody say, the man. I want you to say it this way, not the woman. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. The apples and the oranges and the pears and the, the, the tangerines, whatever would have been, the figs, whatever would have been there. He said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Stay away from that tree. Adam, don't go near that tree. He didn't say that. You know what he said? Don't eat of it. It's up to you how close you're going to get to it. It's up to you what you do with the tree. You can't move the tree. The tree's always going to be there. But stay away. Listen, don't eat of that tree. If you're smart and God says stay away from it, you don't see how close. I, I remember when my kids were smaller, I'd say don't touch that. Anybody ever tell your kids don't touch that? And my kids would do something like this. If that said don't touch that water, they'd go, Any of your kids have a little devil in them when they were born? It wasn't the devil, it was just a bunch of flesh, wasn't it, huh? Oh, that flesh. Let's see how close I can get and not be harmed. If you were wise, Adam, you wouldn't look at the tree. But when God gives a commandment to stay away from something, when we're walking by it, we have to say as men, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look. You can act like you're holy enough that you don't have to say don't look. But if there's testosterone in your body, you have to say don't look. Come on, don't y'all be quiet on me. 
Here's a lot of times, a lot of times in your life you're saying, stay away, stay away, stay away, stay away. Can I get a witness from some men in the building? I'm going to give you real preaching and real teaching here today. Women typically don't have an issue with their eyes. It's men that have an issue with their eyes. And he commanded him, he said, he said, commanded. It's a commandment of God. He said, you can have all the trees to eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And verse 18, look what it says. It says in verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. It's not good that the man would be alone. The only thing that Adam had in the garden was paradise. No pain, no suffering, no issues, no headaches. Aren't you glad about that? Nothing. He, he didn't have any of that. All he had was the voice of God and paradise. But God understood how he designed him. That it's not good that he's just here by himself. He's here just alone. That, that I'm going to make him a helpmeet for him. I will make him a helpmeet. I'm not just going to bring anybody to him. I'm going to design somebody that's tailored to him. And it talks, verse 19, which I read, it talks about how much God trusted Adam. Whatever he named it, that's what it was named. And Adam gave names, verse 20, to the cattle, to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him, as, as we've seen. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, he, he put him to sleep. This is the first surgery ever recorded. God gave him some good anesthesia. You know, when I was going to get my wisdom teeth cut out, they gave me an option. Do you want us to give you the laughing gas or do you want to go to sleep? I said, you're not putting a knife in my body that you're not making me go to sleep first. Anybody else with me right now? He put him to sleep, incisioned his side, reached in, pulled a bone out of him, the rib. And the rib that he took from him, the Bible says, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed upon the flesh instead thereof. He, he opened his side, he pulled out a rib, he sealed, he sealed his side there and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. He made a woman and brought her to him. I want you to understand today that I believe God knows who your mate is going to be. God knows who your spouse is going to be. That's why you young people shouldn't just have it in your mind. I'm just going to see how many of them I can date. I'm just going to notch my belt and see how many I can kiss. When you kiss somebody before you get married, you've kissed somebody else's spouse. Did you hear me? Fathers, you should not be encouraging your children to go kiss just go see how many you kiss. Go on, son. 16 years old, not been kissed. What's wrong with you? In Holland, at their 16th birthday, they take them and let them buy them a prostitute. Because that's how they celebrate their 16th birthday because love in their eyes is nothing but lust. And America's in problem today because we don't even understand what dating is. We don't even understand what it is. We have a concept in America that says you ought to live with them a while and see if it's going to work out. You need to test the car before you drive it. Boy, it is quiet in here, but I'm right. Before you know it, you've been with five different spouses that you weren't married to that would really belong to somebody else in the future. And America has gone crazy since the counterculture of the hippies. They called it free love when it was nothing more than bondage. Bondage. Bondage bound by when you are with somebody intimately, when you are with somebody sexually, you have joined with their spirit. Their spirit has joined with your spirit. And you, when you detach from them from a sexual relationship, you are leaving part of you with them and you're taking a part of them with you. 
You will take on their desires. You will take on their chaos. You will take on their confusion. The Bible says when somebody commits fornication, they join the, bar, the, the body of Christ to a harlot. It is so quiet in here. They joined the body of Christ to a harlot. You've taken the holy and made it profane. You've taken the holy. Can I say to every man, if it's not your wife, you shouldn't be looking at her. If I say to every woman, if it's not your husband, you shouldn't be looking at him. I realize you've got to say, don't look, don't look, don't look. But Adam, don't take of that tree. Adam, don't take of that tree. The Bible says don't let fornication be named among you one time. It affects the body. It affects your mind. It affects your spirit. I wish somebody would give an amen in this building. We need people to seek to be holy in 2023. You need to seek to be righteous in 2023. Better be careful to be entertained by that spirit. Entertained by culture. Entertained by people that are opposing the book. Entertained by people that hate the sanctity of marriage and biblical traditional values. Be careful to be entertained by those that want to do everything in destroying the American biblical family. But I know in the last days he's got sons and daughters that are going to prophesy. He's got old men that are going to dream dreams and young men that are going to see visions. In the end time he's going to have a powerful church. A powerful church. Somebody shout, there is a church. If we, stop, if we stop preaching it, my lands, I'm going random here. But they're handing out contraceptives in school. Now they've got vending machines on streets with needles. Because sexual relationship will always lead to emotional disruption. Did you hear me? Sexual relationships will always mess with your emotions. That's why you should never be sexual with somebody that's temporary in your life. Hebrews, Hebrews tells us in chapter 13, listen, I come to preach to you as a man of God, not a hireling, not somebody just trying to have a following. I've come to stand before you as a man of God with a word from the Lord. Yes, I'm going to preach the word because that's where there's life. That's where family comes together. That's where marriages stay together. That's where children are prosperous. That's where increase happens. That's where fruitfulness is. And that's where purpose is found. What's coming out of your family? That's the question today. I want life to come out of my family. Healing to come out of my family. Purpose to come out of my family. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Look at Hebrews 13 and 4. Look what it says. Hebrews 13 and 4. Marriage is honorable. It's honorable. We ought to celebrate it. I think, ladies and gentlemen, when you're married, you ought to make a big deal out of every anniversary. Boy, that was weak. Well, it's just another day. You quit celebrating marriage is a sign that you don't appreciate the marriage you're in. When you do not celebrate it, it means you do not value it. I'm going to give you, give you an example. When someone is baptized and they have taken on the name of Jesus Christ, on the name of the Lord saying, I belong to him now, and we, we, we're out there talking about football, when somebody up here is giving their life to the Lord, and you're talking about deer hunting, you're talking about the greatest, the, the sale that's going on, and somebody's being baptized, you no longer value the marriage and the union between God and his bride. Because when you stop celebrating it, it means you no longer value it. Every anniversary should be celebrated. Amen. My parents just celebrated 50 years. 50 years. Wasn't planning on mentioning this today, but on October the 29th, we're going to honor them in Parkersburg with 50 years of ministry and 50 years of marriage. And I think it's awesome. I'm so glad I've got that support in my life because I look at that and I say, I want that in my life. How many of you want that in your life? 
Praise God. Listen, I know where I'm at. God has called me to Zanesville. There is no doubt. This is the Garden of Eden in my world. I realize, I realize the demographics of society. 64% divorce rate. I realize that. 43% of babies born out of wedlock. I realize, in, in, I, I realize where we are, the demographics of this area. That means two out of three people that come into the church have come from divorced families, more than likely been divorced, a child of a divorced family. I realize that you're coming in from that. But I cannot stop preaching his word for fear of making you feel like you failed. I'm going to tell you, there's enough grace, mercy, and the blood of Jesus that you can start over and be blessed. But for those that are married, I come to tell you, you can have a great marriage. You can have a great family. You can be dynamic in your generation. Look at your neighbor and say, God's going to bring increase out of our family. Woo! I say, God's going to bring increase out of our family. They're going to come out like arrows out of the Garden of Eden with purpose and destiny. Multiplication. The world is going to be better because of our families. Somebody shout, our family is blessed and will be a blessing. Look what it says. Marriage is honorable. Everybody say it's honorable. Marriage is honorable in all. In all. Oh, you don't need to get married. That's what the world is telling us. Don't ever let the doctrine of this church be. You ought to just stay single for the rest of your life. That should never be taught. Paul had to get permission from the Lord to say it for a few. I would you were like me. That wasn't God's design. That was Paul's opinion. It was God's desire for a man to have a woman brought to him. That's tailor-made for him. Tailor-made. You know, the, the, the statement, uh, the, the cliche of old is, is opposite to track. I don't think that's, I, I, I realize that happens in electric magnets. I don't think that's necessarily true. Because if somebody's really strong opposite, you're not going to like them very much. Can I, can I put this in here? Is that God reached into Adam. Leave that, leave that verse up that we have up here. But God reached into Adam, pulled out a rib, and designed her looking at him. And so the reason he took his rib, ooh, because it comes from the area of the heart. He didn't pull the bone from the foot. Because she shouldn't be kicked around. He didn't bring her from the hand because she's going to be a servant or to be hit. He didn't bring her from the head because she's not the authority in the house. He brought her from the heart. That's why she's a protector. Mess with a woman's husband that she loves. She'll claw your eyes out. You're going to see wrath that's not from her. It's wrath that God put in her for him. Mess with her kids. There's a term mama bear. That's not cliche. That's fact. Because she came from the rib. But when he pulled the rib, he made her thinking of him. She was designed thinking of him. And he forms her from the rib and brings her to him. And I think, I think probably one of the fallen natures of man is he's out there looking for her when he needs to be looking at God. And the reason people mess up in their dating life is because they're looking for the bride instead of looking at him. And when you look at him, he's going to bring you the bride. Come on, it's the truth. And ladies shouldn't be out necessarily looking for husbands. My, 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 my. I did say husbands, didn't I? And when you were looking at this, is that God made her looking at him. And he brings her to him. 
and then wakes him up. Wake up. When he looks at her, he calls her what the scripture has already called her. Because the Bible says that God was going to make a woman for him. A help me for him. And woman does mean opposite. Woman does mean different than the man. Listen, your spouse will be different than you. Her desires are going to be different from you. It's normal for a girl to be a girl and a boy to be a boy. Don't put Barbie dolls in boys' hands. They don't like it. You hand a boy a Barbie doll, he grabs it by the feet and throws it against the wall. A baby doll. I'm sorry, I'm saying Barbie doll, but a baby doll. You, 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 you get a kid, girly, a boy girly stuff, he just doesn't like it. You can try to force it on him, try to change him, but he doesn't like it. It's not in his testosterone. It's not in his DNA. It's not how God made him. God made him a boy. He wants to, he wants to catch spiders and he wants to find fish. He... he he wants to shoot guns. He likes loud noises. When girls are born, they're born talking. They are. They talk early. They outdo the boys just about every time. Boys don't talk when they're born. They make car noises. They grunt and they groan because that's boys. And we're living in a society that says people are mad at Gender reveals nowadays. What in the world? Because it's up to the kid. I'm going to tell you, it's, 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 not, it's not up to the kid. They're trying to force boys to be different than God made them. They're trying to force girls to be different than God created them to be. It is in them to do right. It is in them to be manly. It's in them to stomp their feet. It's in them. It's in them. It's in them. It's in a girl. You hand her a baby doll when she's two. She knows exactly what to do with that baby doll. She knows exactly what to do. You know why? Because God made her that way. And God allowed her to become what he's not. It's not just opposites attract. It's that God let her be strong where he's weak. God let her be the fulfillment where he's empty. She's the satisfier of him. Even God said it's not good for him to be alone. And so God said, I'm going to satisfy what's missing in his life. And I'm going to tell you, God is the master satisfier. Companionship brings oneness and closeness. There's, there's something about it is that what is now empty in his life, she has it in her. That's why the scripture goes on to tell us, it says it this way, and, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. He understood that she is who she is because she has now. What's missing in me is in her. That's why boys all of a sudden when they turn 13 years old, testosterone, we call it puberty, teenage years. When, when, when that begins to happen, it's, it's natural in a boy to start looking. At 10 years old, they think girls got the cooties, germs. I said, Mom, I don't like girls. She said, but I'm a girl. I said, well, I love you. But somewhere when the testosterone comes and a boy is developing into being a man, you know what happens? He starts longing, starts desiring. All of a sudden, little Sally with the cooties doesn't look as bad as she used to. My, 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 what happened to you over the summer? Come on, you can not cold if you want to, but you know the first moment that, that, that drew them to you was a natural attraction because God designed her for you. I mean, know that. But while you're looking for a wife, you should be looking at God knowing that he's bringing her my way. He's bringing her my way. I, I'm hitting the clock, but I'm going to finish what I feel. I'm going to finish what I feel. And the Bible says, he said, this is now bone of my bone. So Adam speaks again. This 
is mine. She, be, she belongs to me. The Bible says that, that for a man in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I'm going I'm to shake y'all up today. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, talking about pre-marriage, it says for a man not to touch a woman. Oh, pastor, you're old school. Well, your new school is messing everything up. New school's not helping anything. New school's ruining the family. It's messing up churches. It's messing up preachers. It's messing up people because we're trying to pressure the preacher to become like the culture instead of wanting the preacher to be like Jesus. That's what we've got to have is help, help us, pastor. Help us get where God wants us to be. And the Bible says, if you'll notice, every verse from 15 to 25 starts with and. That means a continuance of the last verse. And, one verse, it starts with but. And the reason is because God is finishing his statement about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when you look here, when he calls her and says, she is bone of my bones. She is flesh of my flesh. She is, she's mine. This is what God has given me. The, the, the next verse the next verse is so powerful because it starts with therefore. And it means for that reason shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. It's not the will of God for daddy to be paying your bills when you're married. It's not the will of God for you to live in their basement. It's not the will of God for a man and a woman to get married and they live in the bedroom down the hall. It almost always turns to poverty. Told you. He's coming after you. Opposing culture. And then every argument is shared with the in-laws. That works out great. Two major issues in marriages. Are you ready? Number one, finances. Real close to number one are in-law issues. I'm glad my in-laws are here today. Amen. I love them very, very much. Are y'all hearing me? And it says, why do they leave the father and his mother? Shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be one flesh. It's not the will of God to be married and sleep in two different rooms. Two different pools of finances. Well, that's his money. That's my money. It never works out. It's confusion. That'll be one pool of money. And you live a life that both of you can be trusted with that one pool of money. No secret money. Because when you have two different pools of finances, you're cohabitating and not cleaving. And the reason you separate from mother and father is so you can find your own identity as one. Instead of her becoming like your parents and you becoming like her parents, you all become like God incarnate. God's word in your life. You become one and you cleave to one another. Verse 25, everybody say, and, and they shall be one flesh. You live long enough together, you can start looking alike. Look at your wife and say, look what you got to look, look forward to. Amen. You should have looked at it and said, mm, 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 mm. You're looking good. You're looking good. Come on, look at your spouse and say, you're looking good. Amen. Some of you looked at him and said, aren't you glad you're going to look like me? And the kids turned out like me and not you. That's problems right there. And they were both naked. Oh, pastor, don't go there. The man and his wife, and we're not ashamed. I, I know the time, but I'm going to finish. Because the Holy Ghost has visited me. His view of her was not perverted. Her view of him was not perverted. Was it attractive? Oh, yeah. He, she was designed for him. He had nothing to compare her to but her. He had nothing to, to, to trust except God designed her for me. It was both virgins in the garden, both pure as they were, and they were... Uncovered. I, I, I realize what it says is that both were naked, unclothed, but the truth of the matter is there was nothing hidden from one another. They were naked and they were not ashamed. 
They were not ashamed to be together. There was no ill intent. There was, there, there was nothing to hide from one another. There was a, a natural attraction that, that was there. And it was, it was great in the garden. They loved being together. There, they, there, there's trees everywhere. The marriage is wonderful. They're holding hands through the garden. They, they, they're, they're just breathing clean air, living a good life. Love is, is, is certainly among them because there's, there's no such thing as, as having one flesh and not having love toward one another. Because God is love. God gave them love. Are y'all still with me? And it's great. Everybody say the marriage is great. But verse 3 says, And now the serpent was more subtle than any. Oh, my lands, I have hit the clock and I am in debate right now. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. May I remind you, Adam named the serpent. He knew it was there. He knew it was in the garden. The word serpent comes from the word hiss. That's the original word that would come out of that is the word magic or, or um, uh, 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 like um, uh, um, divination. I wonder if he discerned that he was what he was. Something doesn't seem right about this one. I'll, I'll name it serpent, but I'm leaving it here. He, he names it serpent, and it's interesting is that God has never spoken to the woman at this moment. And the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. It was very sly of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman. It was, it was, it was the serpent that spoke to the woman. God spoke to the man but the serpent came and spoke to the woman. And watch, I know you're nervous now. Watch what happens. And the serpent says to her, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said it under the serpent. First mistake. She should have never responded. You do not have to have a conversation with the enemy. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. She quotes scripture back. She, she's having conversation with something that's trying to get her to question. And the serpent said to the woman, ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her or Adam and he did eat and the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Shame came to them when he took of the tree. I'm going to stop here and let you hear the point. When the serpent started talking to the woman she should have went to her husband and said something's not right. Something's not right. But the enemy didn't just get her to doubt the voice of God. She was questioning her husband when the serpent said hath God said she had only heard the commandment from the man it was the man that told her honey you can have of all the tree because God said all of this belongs to you but that one right there do not touch that one don't take it. God said we're going to die that you'll die as soon as you take of it you know what it was he got her to live in rebellion against his word You hear me today. There is an attack on the man in the home. Are y'all ready? Can I have a few more minutes? It's not the will of God for the wife to lead the house. It's not the will of God for the wife to lead the family in the church. It was never God's design. It was God's design to speak to the man and he have order in his house. The truth of the matter is, is that when she showed up with the fruit in her hand and she said, this is from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Oh, it tastes so good. It's good to the eyes. It, it, it tastes good to the mouth. You know when she took the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, nothing happened to her. Nothing. When she brought it to him and said, here, I want you to take of it, he stepped out of his role he stepped out of his order that God made him to be and he became passive. I'm going to tell you where men have failed in the church is when men become silent. 
Because God said, I've given you dominion over every fish of the air, over every beast of the field, over every creeping thing. I've given you dominion. Whatever you name it, whatever you say, I will back it up. And when she showed up with a talking serpent in, his, in her ear and he said nothing, he was silent. I'm going to tell every man in this room, when your wife brings a movie in that house that's not conducive to holiness, you say, not in this house. When your children bring video games into that house that you know is not right with God, not in this house. I haven't come to preach to the women. I've come to preach to the men today. You need to quit being silent and stand up for what is right. I want everybody to stand to your feet, clap your hands, and shout hallelujah to the Lord. Well, I'm not going to church tonight, honey. Oh, yeah, you are. Yes, you are, and the kids are too. We're not staying here. Well, it's Wednesday. I'm tired. Everybody at the church is tired. You're not the only one tired. Come on, we're going to the house of God. You know what she's going to do? She's not going to get mad at you. She's going to respect you. No woman wants an insecure, passive husband. It's not in her DNA, in her DNA, it's not in her DNA to be married to somebody that's weak. She doesn't want to make the decisions for the family. She might have to make the decisions of the family, and when she has to make all the decisions from the family, she becomes a little bit um, uh, frustrated because she's out of her role. I believe the whole woke movement is because a lot of angry women are mad because men didn't do what they're supposed to do a long time ago and take their family to the house of God and they had to defend themselves and do their own thing and live their life and raise their kids and be what they're and all of a sudden people are bitter at men because men have not done what God called men to do. Come on, that mama shouldn't be raising that baby by herself. You ought to be in that house prayerful. You ought to be in that house providing, be in that house giving. I come to say to you today, there's an attack on men. And lady, when a, when a man says, I want to go to the house of God, you ought to say, we're going. Yes, sir. You have a man that wants to live right, be right, and do right. God have mercy. You give, a hard, you give him a hard time because he wants to give, because he wants to pray. He wants to show up. And don't you demasculate him because of culture. Oh, I've stepped off the deep end, but I'm not by myself. Every lady in this room knows I'm telling you the truth. Every man in this room is questioning yourself right now. Well, you, 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 you make sure the kids are okay. Oh, I'm a good dad. I, I got food on the table. There's more to being a man than putting food on the table. Well, I provide. They know I love them because I provide for them. Don't you love them and not tell them you love them. You speak that into their life. I love you. I love you, Sawyer. I love you, Lakin. I love you, Jillian. I love Cindy. I love you. It's not just providing for them. It's speaking. I want the wife to look at the husband and said, I need you to tell you that, tell me, I need you to tell me that you love me. Amen. It's quiet in here. God forbid some lady in this room feels like I'm bringing inequality into you. I'm going to tell you right now, there is no equal in the home. He has a role and you have a role. His role was to be the person of authority, the person with a voice, the person that hears from God. I'm not saying the lady can't hear from God. We'll deal with that next week. But what I'm saying is that God has called the man to be the man. Honey, we're staying for church today. Because I, we just need to be here in the presence of God. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going, to stay for, we're going to stay in the house of God today. Pastor's preaching a little bit long, but he, he's the pastor and we're okay. Amen. I really do feel, we, you, you, you have strong men. Look, look at the statistics of this. Everybody remain standing. Look at the statistics of this. When only dads attend church, 55% of children will remain faithful to God forever. If just dad goes to the house of God, 55% statistically, their children will stay in church forever. If mom and dad are at church together, 72%, nearly three out of four families, the children will remain faithful to God. But if the woman is in church by herself, only 15%, 15% of the children are going to remain in the house of God. If mom and dad do not go to church, 
only 6% of kids, if parents do not go to church, either spouse doesn't go to church, that only 6% of those kids that do not have a parent in church will live for God and remain faithful. Look, look, at, look at the next slide. When dad comes to Christ first, 93% of families will follow. Wow. If mom comes to church first, only 17% of families will follow. Listen, this is not anti-women Sunday. You can't think I'm against the women because today I'm preaching to the men. Can I just be? Get yourself out of that bed on Sunday and get to the house of God. Get out of bed in the morning and get on your knees. It, 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 it should be the wife and the children see their husband looking up. What's he doing? He's a worshiper. He's a praiser. He loves God. And guess what? It impacts the home. Look at the other statistic about prison. Look what it says. Oh, and you know, I didn't give him that. I'm sorry. 93% of incarcerated people are men. Men committing suicide are 3.3 times more than women. And in our culture, this is not about masculating, making the women masculine. This is about demasculating the men. Because if I can remove the man from the family, chaos is coming to the town. And God said, Adam, I commanded you. I'm just going to end on this point because it's almost time for family worship service. You know what Adam should have done? He should have walked up to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and grabbed that serpent by the neck, carried him to the river, and said, you don't belong in my house. You don't belong in my marriage. Come on, did he have dominion or not? He just said, get out of the garden. You don't belong in the garden. Quit talking to my wife. You can't talk to my kids. Come on, there's a voice issue in 2023. We need dads to speak up. We need dads to lift their voices. We need dads to be holy. We need dads to be pure. Come on, lift your hands and call upon him right now. Lift your hands and call upon him right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I want every man in the building to come and stand in this altar. Wives, if you want, you can go get, get, get the kids if you're the one that brought them. I want every man to come and stand in this altar. We've got about 50% men in this church. I think we're going to clap our hands and thank God for it. Oh, God, help us. Man, I believe in you. I know who I'm preaching to. I know who you are. You didn't have to come today, but you're here. You know why you're here? Because you want to be here. My land, it appears to me there's more men than women in this church. It says something powerful. God designed you with authority. I wish somebody would grab your hand and... Take authority of your home, men. Commit thy works to the Lord and thy thoughts will be established. You can't, you can't be in the culture of the world and it not affect you. Temperature's about to change. Brother Sean, it's about to change. It's Ohio. We can have snow tomorrow. I'm not ready for it, but you never know. When it gets... Freezing outside, it changes the temperature on the inside. Let me know it. You got to have a thermostat and a heater on the inside that heats the house up, that opposes. I heard somebody say insulation. That's right. I got to insulate my house from what the going outside in the world. Let's see, brother, brother Redmond. Men, I'm challenging you today. Go all the way back to the 19. 14s. The dynamics in the home changed when equality brought women to be the exact same thing in the home as the man. They have a role, they have a right, they're powerful. First Corinthians 11 tells us that, that, that 
that we come from a woman as well. We need her. I'm not here to, to deal with that. I'm here to deal with God commanded Adam. Adam told his wife. The serpent talked to his wife and he did nothing about it. When the kids come in and their clothes are too tight, we don't wear that. You're not going to dress like that. You need to get that skirt below the knees. No, nobody needs to see up your, your thigh. Come on. But that, I'm going to let the wife do that. No, you need to speak up. Boy, back talking your wife. Using words like, I hate you, mom. Not in this house. You don't talk to your mama like that. I don't, I don't care if it's a girl. You, honey, listen. Sit down on that couch and listen to dad for a minute. I better never hear you talk to your mama like that again. Instead of being silent in another room and not doing anything about it. I'm not telling you to be mean. But if God can command you, you should have some commandment in your voice. Daddy, Daddy, I want to play ball. You going to take you out of the house of God? It's just Wednesdays. Oh, we're not missing church on Wednesdays. You know why? Because that's where we're getting trained and taught the word of the Lord. And it's too long between Sundays anyhow. That's what the new converts say. Pastors, but you know what people come to the Lord and get newly baptized and filled with the Spirit? You know what they tell me? Pastors, is there anything going on between now and Wednesday? We can't get used to our relationship with God that our kids don't understand the joy and the fire that we had at one time. Well, if it's taking you out of church, buddy, I'm sorry. We're not going to do that. But the coach, coach is going to call you. He can call if he wants to because they called my house. Hey, uh, hey, Mr. Bounds, this is Coach so-and-so. Hey, uh, uh, your son tell me you won't let him play ball. I just want you to know that. My dad come and said, the coach called. Yeah. So what do you think? He said, you want to you be out of the house of God? No. What's going to take you out of the house of God? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm glad dad put his foot down. He said, we're not missing church. Because he'd have let me miss church on Wednesdays. I might have missed church on Sundays. He said, there's a garden here. There's a place here. There's boundaries and there's limitations. But dad, you cannot let in that house what does not belong in that house. If I can say to every Eli in this room, is he allowed in his home what he condemned in his heart? Do not let in your home what you condemn in your heart. God has given you authority. God has given you dominion. I thank God for every praying wife, every praying mother, every praying grandmother. I'm so thankful for that. I realize that there's people here that their spouses have not lived for God, don't come to church, maybe a single mother. This, this church is for you. You actually step into that role when that happens. Anointed God comes on you. God gives you wisdom and grace and mercy and power and His voice speaks. Yeah, I can prove that in Scripture, but I'm going to tell you, in the home, there's got to be order in the home. God's calling you men to stand up for righteousness, to be the leader and say, this as for me. Come on, come on. Come on, Joshua. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. It wasn't his wife that said it. It was the man that said it. Woo. Come on, our children shouldn't have to look to the coaches for direction when there's a father in the house. Because daddy's busy making money and putting food on the table and shoes on my body. I'm thinking, Dad, but I need your voice. I need you to tell me what's right. I need you to tell me what God told you. I need you to tell me what the convictions of your heart are. Dad, speak. Every daughter needs the voice of her father. Every son needs the voice of his dad. And they need to see you with your hands lifted every now and then. Tear running down your eye because you're still looking at him. He's your source. Come on, lift your hands right now. God. Help us to be men in 2023. Help us to be men. Help us to be men in 2023. Help us to be men of prayer, men of God, men of righteousness. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, I want every lady stretching your hand forward and praying for these men. Thank God for a praying wife. 
Thank God for praying women. Thank God for praying men. Oh God, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be more involved. My voice is gonna be heard. I'm not telling you to shout at them. I'm telling you to stand for what God's given you. Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, come on, everybody lift your hands and say, as for me and my house, I'm obeying the Lord right now. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, come on, there's been an attack on your mind, on your insecurity. Your wife hasn't been critical. She just knows your role. She wants you to be amazing. Oh, God. Hallelujah. We're going to be free. Brother Cody, can you sing that? We'll transition here. God put such an unction on me in prayer today. I can hardly contain myself. We're going to be free. Come on, I'm going to be the leader of my home. How many of you men are joining pastor right now saying we're going to be the leaders of our house? We're going to be the leaders of our home. I want to be the leader. God's going to give me dominion over the, our mind. How many believe you can cast out everything against your family, everything attacking your marriage? There's, there's power in your prayer. God's going to let your marriage make it. Come on, when you put your foot down and stand in the image of God, there's authority coming to you. I wish you'd clap your hands. Clap your hands and praise Him. Clap your hands and praise Him. Hallelujah. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.